It's the best time of day. Time to relax and take your bra off. Brought to you by DenseUltrasound.com. This is the podcast that celebrates, educates, and relates to women and breast health. Thanks for joining me. I'm Sandy Weaver, the daughter of a woman who almost beat breast cancer, owner of two dense breasts, and I'm passionate about empowering you to take charge of your breast health. He's back. Our guest is a modern-day Renaissance man. You know him, you love him, diagnostic radiologist, former military physician, on the faculty for the Center of Mind-Body Medicine in Washington, D.C., thermography interpreter, speaker, counselor, consultant, author, poet, husband, father, Dr. Thomas Hudson. We talk about all different kinds of topics around breast cancer and breast health and breast imaging with you. I really appreciate you spending all this time with us and being a regular guest on the podcast. Thanks so much for being here again today. Can we talk today about breast cancer risk? Yes. I guess, I guess a good place to start is to say, I realized during the, my mammography career that the, as great as it is and as life-saving as it can be, it's, a, it's kind of a passive system for the patient. Um, it's sort of disempowering. As you come in, we'll tell you, you just show up, we'll do this test, we'll let you know if you're good or not, and then just come back and see us next year. There's nothing about what you can do, you know, there's no information about that. So it's a little bit disempowering. It's a lot disempowering. Yeah. And, and there's, no, there's just no information. And it's also frightening to one level or another. Um, everybody shows it a little bit different. But at least, at least for when there's at least one day of the year, if you, if you do a yearly screening mammogram, where somewhere in the back of your mind is, holy whatever, you know, I could actually have breast cancer. You can ignore it the other 364 days, but it's sort of front and center when you're sitting there in the waiting room. I learned early, early how much fear there is associated with it. Uh, I never forget the first time I walked in to give somebody results and it was, it was a normal mammogram, it was a normal, normal result. And I walked in the door and they just like jumped through the roof. And I said, wait, wait a minute, it's just normal. And, but I was a total novice, you know, I mean, I, I wasn't professionally, I knew what I was doing, but I was a novice in terms of walking in, interacting with the woman. I'm just here to tell you it's normal. I'm not sure why you're so upset, you know, but I learned, you know, very quickly as like, no, I get it. It makes total sense. But to most men, it doesn't. If you're saying, if your wife or significant other goes out to do their mammogram, you're probably not really thinking about what's in their head and they're probably not really sharing. Right. Um, so part of that is, I guess it really did grow out of that because mammograms can be life-saving. You know, the, the, the breast cancer mortality rate in the U.S. is down 30% since they started it 30, 40 years ago, whenever it was. So they certainly can be, and it makes sense that they would want to have the population to get that information out there, right, to encourage women to get screened. A lot of this, interesting, it started when, um, probably dating myself, but it was, no, I am definitely dating myself, is Happy Rockefeller. Um, Rockefeller's wife got breast cancer in the 70s. And, and she uh, talked about it, which was scandalous. Yes, that's a very good point. That was, that was not done heretofore. So... Um, that really, really started a whole discussion, a national, it changed things. So it's a good thing to, 
I don't want to say advertise, you know, but to get that word out there to encourage women to have this potentially life-saving test. But in doing that, in this, in this passive sort of show up and we'll let you know and we'll see you next year kind of way, it instills a lot of fear. And, and you see everywhere, one in eight, everybody kind of knows the breast cancer. I mean, you see posters everywhere. You know, breast cancer risk is one in eight in the, in the United States. What does that even mean? Well, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> because it means that the lifetime risk of breast cancer for a woman living in the United States is one in eight. One out of every eight women will get breast cancer, either has had it or will have it at some time in their life. So that's what we learned. That's what, that's the sound bite. And that's frightening, you know, because uh, people tend to be on the bus or in the mall and you look around, you start counting one, two, three, I wonder if it's going to be me. But the truth is that one in eight is a lifetime risk up to age 90. Oh, so it's not one in eight, one of every eight women today standing here is going to have it. Right, which is what everybody thinks. Right. And, and rightly so. I mean, I, I, you know, as again, as like in medical school, as a novice radiologist, I heard one in eight. I didn't know different than that. I mean, it took some digging to find that out. I mean, it's a little more common knowledge now, but, but still, it's not that common of knowledge. Mm -hmm. And it, it's not, your risk is not one in eight as you sit there. And it's, it's age related. So if you're 90 years old and you're in a bus full of 90 year olds and you look around, you can figure, well, no, if there's eight of us, statistically, one of us has it, has had it, or is gonna get it. That's statistically true. But at age 40, it's roughly like, if you're in your 30s, it's about one in 200. In your 40s, That's a much better number. It's a much better number. In the 40s, it's like one in 60, one in 70. Um, and then it goes up from there in your fifties, I believe it's about one in 50. Then it gets to be about one in 20 by the time you're 70. These are rough numbers, but every, every decade, roughly the, your risk goes up with age. And there's a lot of thoughts as to why I think your, our immune systems don't work as well as we age. Uh, the, the toxic load that we carry increases with age, which is what I honestly think is most of it. So that's kind of the good news, really. I mean, whenever I tell people that, it's like, oh, really? I'm not one in eight as you're 40 years old or 45? No, not at all. You know, your, your chances are a whole lot better. And the other piece of it is where I think we put a lot of fear, I say we, I mean, medical field, is we make a big deal about breast cancer risk. And now the, the big thing is risk models. There's a Gale model, a Tyler Cusick model. You can look them up online. There's a BRCA Pro. Anybody right now, you can look online, just do breast cancer risk model. And you can find anyone that you can fill out. Some will take you an hour and some will take you five minutes. And you can put in your age and different things. Um, and it'll give you a percent risk. Um, the average one in eight is 12%. So that's considered average risk is 12%. High risk is considered 20%. Um, at 20%, you can get screening MRIs and insurances will cover different tests for you and whatnot. But another fact that I learned, I think we talked about this a little bit last time, was that as much as we talk about breast cancer risk, it mostly has to do with family history. 
it's mostly based on if you had a sister or mother with breast cancer. That's the highest. There are other factors that they consider, but by and large, it's pretty much a, a family history based model. Women who have a mother or sister with breast cancer kind of walk around with waiting for the other shoe to fall. But the fact is that three quarters of all breast cancer happens in women with quote unquote, no risk factors. So it was again, one of those things for me when I'm, I'm pouring through the, cause this is what I do. This is my specialty. So when these things come out, I, I don't just read them casually. I really go through in detail because people are going to ask me questions about it. And you know, I think after pouring through some of these risk models and all that, I, I just thought to myself, really, are you kidding me? I mean, we're, why are we doing all this? This is 25% of all breast cancer. Three quarters, it's, only, it's, it's good to do. There's no question, but it's a little perspective is nice. I mean, <laughs> we're going to miss three out of four breast cancers if we focus on this, right. which is why you can't screen based on risk factors because it only covers one out of every four cases. Most of it is not included in that. Now, there are a lot of other risk factors, and that's the diet. Um, and that's another topic for another time. But diet, uh, weight, uh, women can cut their risk in half by exercising. In yeah, half? In Exercise half. cuts your breast cancer risk in half? And your recurrence rate if you have breast cancer. Wow. Your chance of it coming back is cut in half. And, and we can talk about some of those. Um, now, again, now that's kind of, the world is a much more holistic leaning world than it was 20 years ago when I first started this journey. So I don't want to portray it like it's totally like that. Now it's very much different. Um, and some of this information is more easily accessible. It's sort of more widely known, but I would say more, more widely known, not necessarily widely known. I think environmental toxins play a huge role. I mean, huger than, than we know, really. Right. Um, and so basically, what I tell people is that we have no idea what your risk is, right? We really don't know. I mean, all of the, you can figure if, you, if your mother or sister had it, okay, you're at a higher risk. But most women, who have a family history will never get breast cancer. If you want to, you can pick out any risk factor. Most women that have that risk factor are never going to get breast cancer. It's a, it's a subtle but huge difference, right? It, because we tend to think in our, you know, we're a black and white world. I mean, Western society is very intellectual. We love studies. We love to gravitate to anything as law, right? Oh, I have a family history. Oh my God. You know, well, in your mind, people think, I'm just gonna get it. I just know I am. And the truth is, most women who are at high risk, quote unquote, for breast cancer overestimate their risk. They're not as at high risk as they think. And most women at average risk tend to underestimate their risk. Oh, I don't know anybody that's had it. I eat pretty well. But yeah, we're just, it's an area that we tend to be not so self-aware. I think we're woefully uh, unaware of a lot of where we stand. Right. On a lot of, exactly. We think we're doing better than we are a lot of times. 
in your book, Journey to Hope, on in the chapter on self-care, you have a list of characteristics, uh, cancer-susceptible individuals. Can you talk about that? Yes. Okay. Uh, it's highly conscientious, responsible, and hardworking. Has a tendency to carry other people's burdens and take on extra obligations. Has a deep-seated need to make others happy. Harbors long-suppressed toxic emotions, especially anger and resentment has an inability to resolve deep-seated emotional conflicts, often being unaware of their presence, just what we were talking about, lack of awareness of where we are, is always willing to help, but reluctant to accept help from others, tends to suffer in silence, bearing his or her burdens without complaint. And this comes from um, a book from Dr. Douglas Brody, called the, I didn't make this up, it's called The Cancer Susceptible Individual. Which and, probably speaks to a lot of us, actually. I, and I was thinking about that. And in looking at this, I can think of uh, maybe a handful of men that I know that fit a lot of those characteristics. But most of the women I know fit many of those characteristics. Do you think they're, those characteristics are more concentrated in women than they are in men? I do. It tends to be. It seems yeah. to be. Yeah. Um, sort of nurturing, caring, over-caring um selfless selfless you know to 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 a detriment that's the whole we can talk about the center for mind body medicine another time which is another huge paradigm shift for me but the 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 whole message in that is called self-care which is you got to take care of yourself first or else you're not really going to have anything to give anybody else right if you're always the oxygen mask on yourself first oh that's exactly it yeah. Um, which seems at first blush, like, really? I mean, that seems selfish. But it's really not because you're going to have a lot more to give. Eventually, you run out of gas. And there are, there are people, I mean, this gets a little farther out in things. I mean, there's no way to prove any of this. But I, I sort of tend to believe that there's something to a lot of these things. There are people who can catalog which breasts you're Cancer is going to be in based on what emotional issues you have. I have read that. Yes. And there's some, is it Chinese medicine that predicts what organs you're going to have problems with based on your personality type? Yep. And uh, there's no way to prove that with like a Western, you know, type study. You just can't get at it with that. But I can tell you in the last 10 years, I've gone from that's kind of wacko to, uh, you know, that makes perfect sense to me. I mean, I don't know how that could not be true because our emotional, you know, our emotional mindset, it affects everything. There's a thing called now, a a buzz term called psychoneuroimmunology, which you can, there's a whole new field, which you can look up. Again, you can Google. That's a great thing about today. Right. You can Google this. None of this is super esoteric. But 10 years ago, you never heard that terminology. But what it means is that your, your nervous psychoneuroimmunology, your nervous system is affected by your psyche or your mental system, mental emotional system, which affects your immune system. They're all one. So your, your long held resentments, for instance, um, are affecting your immune system. And it's your immune system that protects you from cancer. Among other things. 
So it is totally logical to me that your emotional well-being is huge. The medical field has always been primarily, there's a whole interesting history about that. It's probably beyond the scope. It's in the book, but um, been uh, based physically. It's all been physical, material. And the mental piece was just nowhere to be found. I mean, they just farmed that out to institutions or whatever. Well, these days, the mental piece is now kind of, even in mainstream medicine, is making its way in, right? To know, we understand that, what stress does. But the emotional piece is still nowhere to be found in that. Mm-hmm. And it can be a huge, I believe it's a huge factor. There was one study, there might be more than one, but there's a study from Johns Hopkins that found that the most common emotional factor in women with newly diagnosed DCIS, which is another whole topic. Ductal carcinoma in situ. Right, but it is. Or situ, I've never known how to say that. uh, I say situ, but you can say whatever. There's a lot to talk about that, but that was specifically this study that they did at Johns Hopkins. And they found that repressed anger was the most common trait, most common attribute of newly diagnosed women with, let's just say, early breast cancer, which is huge. Why would that stand out? You know, well, what else is there to that? Well, I suspect there's a lot to that. And we're not going to ever get at it through the conventional medical, empirical, randomized control test. You just cannot get at it like that, but it doesn't mean that it's not real. The message really is that a lot of breast cancer risk is actually in your power to control. How much, nobody really knows. But clearly, there's a lot that's in your power to control. Breast cancer risk is not fixed. It changes with age. uh, The truth is your breast cancer risk is probably, if you wanna get into little nano segments, probably different today than it will be tomorrow, which is an interesting thing to think about. Yeah, no kidding. Be hard and fruitless and pointless to ever try to break it down that much. But the, the truth is somebody loses 40 pounds, they start exercising, they start eating better, their breast cancer risk is gonna be less, clearly a lot less. But it's not gonna show up in any risk model. So the bottom line is quit taking those silly assessments online, which are just going to scare you anyway, and go take a walk with your dogs and eat organic food and maybe minimize the animal protein. You don't have to let it go completely if you don't want to, but minimize it. More, ve- more fruits and vegetables that are organic. What else can we do, doctor? Well, <laughs> exercise. I mean, worry about, you know, detoxification is huge. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, that kind of covers most of it. I mean, to take care of your de-stress, uh, to take care of your emotional issues, honestly, is a whole other thing. I'd be like forgiveness. I mean, it doesn't sound like a, you know, once you go down that path, I mean, then you really have your doctors kind of going, yeah, right, this is kind of, but, but it's kind of like cleaning your, you know, holding grudges against. I mean, it, it messes up your energetic fields big time. You know, I mean, it can cause disease. It can, I'd love to spend a whole thing talking about that. Just looking after your general health will decrease your breast cancer risk. 
And if you want, I would say if you want to do the online things, you know, it might be nice to know, I suppose, if you're interested kind of in your breast cancer risk, but I would just urge you to take it with a grain of salt because it doesn't really tell you. And it just as often it's going to scare you. What I find is that it can do is women are often at a lesser risk than they think. I hear people all the time tell me, oh, I have an aunt and a grandmother, but an aunt and a grandmother doesn't raise your risk one iota, right? It's only primary relative, mother, sister, grandmother is too far. So what's called primary relatives. Here's a great thing probably to close on. If there were a sound bite as to how much of breast cancer risk is environmental and is within your control and how much is not. They did a study, if your identical twin has breast cancer, your lifetime risk of getting breast cancer is 66%. Identical twin and you don't have the identical risk. Right, and, and then we talk about paradigms and, and how your point of view shapes how you see the world. And it's like how it shapes the world of the, of the people that write the articles. Because this was an article that, that expounded, that, that proposed this article as a massively important publication in proving that breast cancer was genetic. It was like, this is proof. Finally, you know, if you thought it wasn't, now we know it is. If you have an identical twin, 66%, not, not, eight, not 12%, right? One in eight or 12%, like average risk. 66%, therefore, it's genetic. But if you have a different point of view or you're not stuck in a point of view, you would look at that and say, wait a minute, why isn't it 100%? Mm -hmm. If you're saying that this is evidence that it's for the genetic cause of breast cancer, it ought to be 100% and it's not even close. So why do the 33% of identical twins not get breast cancer when their identical sisters got it? And that's the question. What lies in that 33%? And that's your self-care, that's taking care of other people, that's working too hard, it's, it's you know, trying to make other people happy. What is that? How does that increase or decrease your risk? How much? I have no idea. I wouldn't pretend to know. Nobody knows, you know, how those factors, they're all too complex. But the point is, all those things that will decrease your breast cancer risk will give you a happy life whether you get breast cancer or not. So they all will result in a more peaceful, you're gonna be a more well-rounded human being, better to be around, you're gonna enjoy yourself more, you're gonna enjoy your loved ones more, you're gonna enjoy people that irritate you more because you're just gonna be calmer and there's a general overall health and wellness aspect that will decrease your breast cancer risk. So. I guess that's the, it's always the question. It's a good to, to live in the questions a lot, which is what's in that other 33%. But in that other 33% is certainly a lot of stuff that you have control over. So. I think you have just delivered some amazing good news, Dr. Hudson. Thank you. So we have a lot more control than we think we do just by changing our mental attitude, a little bit of changing our diet, definitely getting up and exercising more and just focusing on ourselves and taking care of ourselves and giving ourselves a better life. And then, then we're not worried about getting breast cancer. And if we do, we know we can deal with it. Right. Right. 
in the Western world, taking care of yourself first sounds so like anathema. It sounds so selfish, you know, but the truth is it's like filling the gas tank, right? If you fill the gas tank, then you have, you can get around to help other people. But eventually if you don't fill the gas tank, you're on empty and what you are trying to give, you're not going to have it. So if you think of it that way of keeping your gas tank full, you know, you got to stop and go to the gas station and take care of your car or else you can't go pick up your mom. You can't go to the store. You can't do all these other things. So I think that's a good way to think about it in, in terms of, you know, how important self-care is. Well, thank you for filling our gas tank again today, Dr. Hudson. I really appreciate you being our guest and sharing your wisdom and your time with us. If people want to know more about you, how do they find you online? Uh, best to go to my website. It's uh, yourjourneytohope.com. As the title of the book is Journey to Hope. So it's yourjourneytohope.com. And you can go through the whole website there. There's a lot of this information. And there's a, uh, you can contact me there. and It'll come to my email. Perfect. And while you're on his website, get a copy of his book. It's amazing. Dr. Thomas Hudson, thank you again for being our guest. Looking forward to talking to you again soon. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. Hey, what would you like to hear Dr. Hudson talk about? Send me your question, sandy at denseultrasound.com. Give it to me. I'll ask Dr. Hudson and we'll get it answered for you on a future episode. Thanks for joining us again on Relax and Take Your Bra Off, a podcast where we dive into all sorts of topics about breast health. Got a story you'd like to share? We'd love to hear it. Email me, sandy at denseultrasound.com to share your story and maybe be part of a future podcast. Thank you to denseultrasound.com for sponsoring this show. Check them out online to learn even more about the latest in breast health news and diagnostics and to take charge of your own breast health. Find out how to get $10 off for you and a friend. Check out me and my plus one at denseultrasound.com. Go now before you forget and click the follow button on this podcast so you'll get notified when we add new shows. Until next time, remember to give yourself a gift every day. Relax and take your bra off. <laughs>